You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening, good evening. Again, you are listening to the Manifesting God podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Truly, if you are listening, God has still been good to you. You are still amongst the living. You have been through what you have been through. You have come through. You have overcome and God has kept you. Let's get over to 1 Peter 5 and let's get started. In this particular chapter, he wrote this letter to a group of Christians who were scattered throughout the Northern Asia Minor. And he wanted them to understand that although they were exiles, although they were going through what they were going through, although they were dealing with what they were dealing with, although they were struggling, uh, sick, ailments in their body, running for their lives, not sure of where their provision would come from, that they were still those that were chosen. They were still those that had purpose. So that tells us that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we we're dealing with, let's not ever forget that we still have purpose. We are still chosen. As long as we believe on the name of Jesus Christ, as long as we believe that God sent his only son into the earth, he was born through a virgin. As long as we believe that that same Jesus, he lived and he was hung on a cross for our sins. And that most of all, that he rose again, that he rose again. Long as we hold on to that belief that he's sitting at the right hand of the father, we are still the chosen and we still have purpose. First Peter uh, five and verse one, it says in the NIV version to the elders among you, to those and the elders in this particular scenario are those among the Christians and they presided over the assemblies or they presided over the churches. The new term, the new Testament, they use terms like a bishop and elders interchangeably to describe these leaders. And it says to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will who will also share in the glory to be revealed. So he's saying, I, I, I am a witness and not only am I a witness, I understand that I am a partaker. I am a partner. I share in his sufferings. And then it says, I share also in that glory to be revealed. So I share in that splendor, that's glory. I share in that brightness. I share in that glorious condition. I share in that, in that faith that I am going to be raised from the dead. And after I have achieved this work on earth, I will be also in front of God, in front of Jesus, my Lord. I share in that belief. And then verse two, he's giving them instructions. He's giving the elders instructions. This is apostle Peter. He says, be shepherds. So what he's saying there, 
feed, feed the flock, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. He tells them, number one, watch over them. Watch over them. And then he says, not because you must, not because you're being forced, not out of, not out of uh, a guilt, but you're watching out, you're watching out of them. You're watching out for them because you are willing and because God wants you to be. So you are the shepherd because God wants you to be. You're watching out for them because the sheep, because God wants you to. Not because, not because you're just willing to, but because God wants you to. And then he tells them number two, not pursuing dishonest gain. So you're not after money. You're not stealing from the people of God. You're not robbing the people of God. So you're you're not after money. You're not after dishonest gain. You're not after anything that you haven't worked for, dishonest gain. You're not after anything that you haven't earned. He said, but be eager to serve. But eager to serve. He says, but be eager to serve. He wants them to be focused, the shepherds to be focused on watching over the sheep that he has given to their charge. He wants them to, um, to not pursue dishonest gain, but he wants them to be eager to serve, eager to serve, not ones that are waiting and, and prompting to always be served, but he wants you, the shepherd, to serve the sheep. And then he says in verse three, not lording. So he doesn't want you to be a bully. He doesn't want you to be uh, from the pulpit, they say a pulpit bully. He doesn't want you to be forcing the sheep to do anything, manipulating the sheep into doing something that you want them to do. He doesn't want you to lord your position over those that he's given to you. But what he's saying is, I want you to be an example to the flock. I want you to be, so whatever behavior they see in you, I want them to be able to mimic that behavior because that behavior is in God. That behavior should be seen in God. That's what he's saying to them. Just give me a sec. I'm trying to get the camera straight. He's telling them that he wants them to have a behavior, a behavior that is of God. He wants them to be those of purpose, those of purpose. He's telling the shepherd that you feed this flock, you feed them according to my will, according to my purpose, according to how I have uh, raised you and structured you, not because you want to. It has nothing to do with because you want to. Tell me how that is. It has nothing to do with because you want. It has to do with the fact that, that God wants you to be. He's put you in that position. So you are feeding the flock that are under your care and you're watching over them because God wants you to. You're not pursuing this honest game and you are eager to serve. You are not lording your role over them, but you are being an example to them. And then verse four says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory. When the chief shepherd appeals, appears, therein will be your reward. When Christ appears, he's going to give you the reward that shall never fade away. He's going to give you that which is eternal. 
He's giving you that which is eternal. So shepherds, if we're checking all the boxes, we're making sure that we're watching over the sheep. We're making sure that we're not after dishonest gain, meaning we're not after anything that we didn't work for. Paul says it like this. He says, if I gave you spiritual, you should share your carnal. But he started off with, if I gave you. So if I gave you the word of God, if I ministered to you the word of God, if I gave you my time and counsel, if I gave you uh, the taught word of God, then you should in exchange give me what you can. You don't have to give me the taught word of God. You don't have to repeat to me the prophecy that I gave to you and say it's for me. You don't have to do any of that. What you must do, though, or what you should do is you should share with me of your carnal what you have to share with me you should share with me what you have and that would be the carnal he says i'm not asking you for anything else and it says and it says here that if you're checking the boxes you should also shepherds you should serve um, I also said, the scriptures also say that you're you're not lording your position over your sheep. So you're not the pulpit bully. You're not a manipulator trying to manipulate them into doing what you want them to do. You are instead serving them. You are serving them so that they have an example, number five, in front of them of what Christ expects. Again, checking the boxes, shepherd. You're watching over the sheep. You're not after a filthy lucre. You serve. You are not lording your position over them and you serve them because you are the example to them as to what Christ expects. Now, for those of you who are sheep who are listening to me, now is not the the moment where you where you where you're. Uh, it's the end of the year, and I'm going to make some new choices, and I'm going to a new ministry because I didn't like this and I don't like that. But let's talk a little bit. Let's continue down in that chapter, and let's talk about what the expectations are for you, the sheep. See, because what's happening right now is we're we're, we're seeing where the cycle is constantly being broken and no one wants to lay claim to their part and why the cycle is broken. Oh, is it, you know, we want to blame the leaders. Oh, they're not, they're not watching over me. They're not giving me instruction. And they're always after money. They're always after money. And, and they don't want to serve. They always want people running after them. They got 20 adjutants and three nurses and eight ushers to escort them to their seat. They're, they're always lording their position. They're such a bully from the pulpit. They're no, they're no example. They're doing this, that, and the other. And I know it for a fact that you've never seen, you know, but you know it for a fact. So before you pack your bags and go running off, let's see where you may be as a sheep breaking the cycle and making the leader's job hard. Because, yes, if the leader is not doing these things, they're making it hard for you to be that Christian, for you to walk in purpose. But let's talk about what we as sheep may be doing that's making it hard for the shepherd to share shepherd us, right? So you go down and you see verse five in the same chapter, it says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. And then it says, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. 
because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Clothe yourself with humility to one another. Do we do that today? Are we humble servants to our sister and our brother or do we knock them down to get to the leader? Are we only humble servants of the leader and we despise our sisters and brothers? We never have a kind word for our sisters and brothers. We're nasty to our sisters and brothers. We don't know how to talk to our sisters and brothers. Are we those humble ones where it says in verse six, humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he, that God, that's the he we're talking about, may lift you up in due time instead of lifting yourself up, that is, in pride. So we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand because only he has the power. Only he has the power to lift us up in due time. That's real sweet that you humbled yourself in front of your leader, but we're nasty to our sisters and brothers. And so because we are expecting that the leader is going to lift us up in due time. But no, only God can lift us up in due time. And remember, God sees what the leader does not. He's going to see what the leader's not. And so when the leader starts to come for you, it's because you didn't hear the voice of God when he explained to you that you are being nasty to your sisters and brothers, but you're going all out of your way for your leader. So we humble ourselves, not only before the leadership that God has placed before us, but we humble ourselves to our sisters and brothers in Christ. And then it tells us in verse 7, Cast all your anxiety on him, on God, because God cares for you. You are casting, you are not, you are not anxious in any matter. You are not overwhelmed in any matter because you give all of those feelings to God. You trust God with your anxiety. You trust God with your fear. You trust God because you know that he cares for you. And verse eight, it says, be alert and of a sober mind because your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion and he's looking for someone to devour. So you stay focused. No matter what is coming against you, no matter what is coming behind you to run up on you or attempt to run you over, you stay focused. You fix your eyes like a flint on God. You don't turn to the left nor the right. No distractions. No distractions. And then it says in verse 9, resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Today, we don't want to suffer. We don't want to suffer or do we not want to stand firm in the faith? Do we not want to agree with God or with the family of believers and understand that suffering is part of our Christian walk? We don't want to attach anything that's hurtful, anything that's uh, uncomfortable to our Christian walk. But if we are that, if we are of Christ, 
if we are of Christ, then we understand that there are going to be times of suffering, times of hurt, times of pain, times of disappointment. And no, we're not going to always like it. No, we're not always going to feel up to it. No, we're not even half the time going to want to claim it as our portion, but it is so. But it is so. So we must decide to stand firm in the faith. See, that standing dictates that there's a decision that has to be made because we we could sit and we could decide to cross our legs and ignore everything that's going twirling around us as if it's not our portion, as if it doesn't have anything to do with us. And we could ignore it, but it's a decision required here. It says stand in the faith. If I'm going to stand, I have to choose to stand. I have to choose to not be distracted. I have to choose to understand that I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that's going through something. I have to understand that my fellow believers in Christ, they are dealing with things as well. They are suffering as well for the sake of Christ, even if it's just denying themselves, denying something they want to do, denying something they want to say, denying something they a behavior that is ungodly. It is a choice to stand. It is a choice to stand firm in the faith. And then verse 10 says, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. And get this, after you have suffered a little while, after you have suffered a little while, will himself he will himself, I'm telling you, I've seen it over and over again, not your leaders, not your sisters and brothers, but God himself will restore you. He will make you strong. He will make you firm and he will make you steadfast. And that is better on any day than being sick, weak, and dying, the scripture tells us. God will make us. But here's the thing. You got to suffer a little while. A little while. See, we don't like it. And what we don't understand is when we come against hard times and we start acting out, we make our leader's job difficult. So we make it hard for them to watch over us. We make it hard for them to serve us. We make it hard for them to be a continued example for us because we're not even looking at the example that they set before us because we don't want to deal with what we're dealing with. So because we don't want to deal with what we're having to deal with, we begin to act out. We begin to become difficult. And I'm going to tell you, there are some people to my sister that just come through cancer. We went to the ringing of the bell ceremony for her on last night. And I'm going to tell you, it's awesome to see a walking miracle of God. Did she have moments where she felt like that burden was too hard for her to carry, too heavy of a load? Yes, I'm positive she did. But guess what? She made a decision that in spite of that, she would still stand firm in the faith. You know, we, we come up against all kinds of obstacles, some of which we create ourselves. We create our own stumbling block and then stumble over it and then turn around and look at everybody else around us like they put it there. 
but you created it yourself when all you had to do is make up your mind to stand firm. See, because when you make up your mind to stand firm in Christ, it doesn't matter what you stumble or trip over because you are so focused on standing in the faith that even if you trip and fall, you're going to immediately stand back up because you're going to say, I just tripped, but I'm still not giving up God. No matter what comes, I'm never going to forfeit God. I'm never going to forfeit that relationship because you made that decision. <clears throat> you made a decision to stand. You made that. That's all. It's a simple decision to stand that no matter what happens, some of us have ailments in our body now and the, and the doctors don't can't give us any other remedy, can't give us any other Fix. We cannot take another medicine, but are you still standing? Are you still standing firm in the faith? Are you still standing firm in the faith? If you're still standing firm in the faith, then you are standing humbly and you chose trust over anxiety. It's you gave your anxiety to God. I didn't say you didn't have the anxiety. I didn't say that you didn't have the fear. You had all of that. You had all the tiredness. You have all the, I don't want to do this anymore. You have all of that, but you're still standing firm in the faith. You're still standing firm in the faith. You've given all your cares and your anxiety to him. And because of this, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal, his eternal glory in Christ in verse 10, because you've suffered a little while, he's going to restore you. He's going to restore you and he's making you strong and he's making you firm and he's making you steadfast. No matter what you see in this fleshly frame, you are strong, you are firm and you are steadfast. Put that in the chat. I am strong, I am firm, and I am steadfast. Because if you believe that you are all these things, you are indeed standing firm in the faith. And if you are standing firm in the faith, guess what you just did? You just made your leader's job easier. So now they can feed you. So now they can watch over you. So now they can protect you. So now they can continue to be that example. And guess what? Now you're standing with them as an example of Christ. You're standing with them. And that's why, as verse 11 says, to him be the power forever and ever. Only God. Only God has that resurrection power. Only God can call you to his eternal glory in Christ. Only God can cause you to stand firm and steadfast. Only God can care for you in that way. Only God can lift you up in due time. Only God, shepherd, sheep. Only God, sheep. And if you're checking the boxes, you want to be sure that you are being humble. You are choosing trust over anxiety. You are staying focused. You have a sober mind. And even in suffering, number four, you are standing in the faith. You are standing in the faith. Um, 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10 says it like this. He said, he said, now, even, even when he was with them to the shepherds, he's like, even when I was with you, Paul told them, I commanded you that if you did not work, that you should not eat. We are a people that if we are shepherds, sheep, if we are talking about sheep, if we are sheep, we are humble. And if we're choosing trust over anxiety, if we're staying focused 
and we are still standing in the faith, then we are those that are working. And because we are working, there is a provision that we eat because we are working. What, what work are we doing? We're studying to show ourselves approved. We are standing firm in the faith. We're not letting go of God's unchanging hand. So there is a provision for us to eat. There is a provision. There is a source that supplies all of our needs. Eat, I'm saying eat like as in food, but really I'm referring to eat as in all of our needs are supplied. Nothing, we are lacking nothing. We have good health. I know my frame might not look like I have good health, but I have good health because I'm standing in faith. I'm standing firm in faith. I'm not backing up in faith. And because I'm not doing that, because I'm checking the boxes, now my shepherd can check the boxes. We have no break, no distortion, no, uh, no, um, no, no break in the chain, no link. We have no broken cycle. See, because what's happening at times is because our leaders could be distressed and going through different things. Then you can say, well, okay, I, I'm checking the boxes, Miss Prophetess Lady. I'm watching over the sheep. I'm not robbing or stealing from the sheep. I'm not, um, I'm not um, lording my position over them. I am an example, but we left out one. I don't serve them because they make me mad. So I'm not serving them. I'm not doing anything for them. I'm not going to teach them as I should teach them. I'm not going to, I'm not going to open my door to counseling to them because they don't listen anyway. Okay. But you broke the cycle. You broke the cycle. You allowed the sheep to make you break the cycle because of their behavior. You are doing a tit for tat now. Well, if you're not going to do this, if you're not going to come to services, then um, I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, be an example to you. I, you do whatever you want to do. Don't look to me for anything. I'm not going to do anything for you. So we we can't be like that, shepherds. We can't break the cycle. We watch over the sheep. We do not still we don't we don't take gain from them that we have not worked for we serve them they don't serve us we serve them we serve them we're not bullying them from the pulpit we're not manipulating them because we don't lord our position over them and we are an example to them we are an example to them. So for the sheep, what you're going to do is not disrupt your shepherd cycle by not being humble by being arrogant and prideful. Don't disrupt the shepherd cycle by choosing to be anxious and worrying about everything and having no faith. Don't disrupt your shepherd cycle by being drunk, not being sober-minded. You're just drunk with everything that's going on with the world. You're just so captivated and so full of everything that's going on in the world, so full of the outfits they're wearing, so full of the, the reality TV shows that you are not focused. You are not sober on the things of God. You break your own cycle and you breaking your cycle will break the leader's cycle. Oh, the leader will not come to you and say you broke the cycle, but you'll know you broke their cycle because they don't want to be bothered with you. They don't want to, they don't want to watch over you. You indeed frustrate them. 
You frustrate them. And when you frustrate your leader, you break their cycle of commitment. You break the, their ability to watch over. You break what the cycle that God has given to them in order to be a good shepherd to you. They can't watch over you. You, you, won't, you won't give, so you're forcing them to beat it out of you just about. You won't serve. You won't, you won't, serve. You won't allow them to serve you by teaching you. You won't allow, because you won't even do them the honor of showing up. You won't even do them the honor of attending the events that they may be ministering at so that they can actually teach you, so that they can actually mature you in the will and the purposes of God. You break their cycle. You don't allow them to be the example to you because you refuse to be in their presence because you don't like the suffering way. And then to the shepherds, don't break the don't break the cycle of the sheep by by uh, constantly making demands on them that they can't meet. So now they're anxious all the time because they can't meet the demands that you put on. I'm not talking about the biblical demands. So sheep don't go running off and say, I, you know, you always want me to, to always trust God. And I'm going through right now and I can't be trusting God. I got too much going on in my mind. That's the last thing on my mind. Don't, don't run off thinking that because your shepherd told you to trust God and be silent that now I can run off because they are making me anxious. No, trust God. How about you believe the word of the man or woman of God? Trust God. Stay focused. If your leaders are telling you that you got too much, you are you are 80% world and 20%, 20% God, and they're telling you, you are taking in too much is going on on TV. You're taking in all the worldly attitudes, the worldly dress codes, the worldly behaviors, and you're trying to bring all that in the church, and you're trying to make everybody conform to what you believe, and that's not God. Stay focused. Stay focused. Get a sober mind, a focused mind about the things of God. And then in your suffering, stand in the faith as much as you can. Stand. Yes, we're uh, sisters and brothers around you. Your leadership is all going to encourage you, all going to encourage you in the faith. But if you're going to come in every single time, like it's the last time you'll ever, you'll ever be in anyone's presence, then you make it hard for people to then you receive empathy and sympathy instead of encouragement encouragement i'm telling you i've seen people do this and i don't i don't have anyone when i was younger you would see people do that i don't see that today amongst my sisters and brothers everybody's going through every lot of different things but folk when we come in each other's presence we're kind we speak to one another we are happy to be amongst each other amongst our leader we you know it's okay to smile even when you're going through it's okay to smile and be happy even though you don't know where your next meal is coming from. God will bless you. There is provision. I just told you that a little while ago. There's provision waiting for you if you will work. And work is what I do when I read my word. Work is what I do when I pray. Work is what I do when I show up with a smile on my face, ready to serve the men and women of God. Work is what I do. And because I work, then there's a provision waiting to meet my need, no matter what that 
need is, no matter what it is, we want to be very careful. First Peter and two, it says, number one, let, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and all envies and all evil speaking as newborn babies, verse two, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, verse 3, verse 4, to whom is coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, verse 5, ye also, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood, everyone in the sound of my voice, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted to God by Jesus Christ. Do you understand that sometimes you are that spiritual sacrifice? to the shepherd and to the sheep. Sometimes you're the sacrifice. Why? Because in order not to break the cycle and follow God's instructions, sometimes you have to do the things that you don't want to do. You're just not in a mood to do that that day. Things are happening in your home. Things may be happening with your children, happening with your children at school. Things are happening on your job. You're experiencing all kinds of behaviors from coworkers, from management, and you do not want to serve shepherd that day. You do not want to be humble sheep that day. You don't want to even think about trust over anxiety. That's the farthest thing from your mind, sheep. You don't want to be an example shepherd that day because of all that you're doing dealing with. But if you do not, if you do not subscribe to the instructions that God gives the shepherd and the sheep through Peter in this chapter, you are indeed breaking the cycle. And then if you continue to operate uh, as opposing what God is requiring here, what Peter is suggesting here, he's not making it a commandment. He is suggesting this. If you refuse to comply what God is suggesting through Peter, then you create a broken cycle by which your ministry, your church, your, your interactions are operating in. And then you wonder why the ministry, the church, the, the interactions aren't successful, aren't godly, aren't holy, because there's a break in the cycle. Someone doesn't want to follow the instructions that are being held here. Someone doesn't want to uh, follow the suggestions of Apostle Peter here that God gave him. They don't want to serve. They don't want to be kind to everyone, the sheep. They only want to be kind to the leader. The leader doesn't want to deal with certain ones because he never sees a result or she never sees a result. These are things, these are behaviors that break the cycle and cause our churches and our ministries to operate and broken cycles and within broken cycles. See, because this is the thing that we have to understand. Like I just read in first Peter in two. And when I said that our job as a holy priesthood are, and those, and because we have uh, built up a spiritual house, it's our job to offer up a spiritual sacrifice. But what happens is because we don't realize that we sometimes are the sacrifice 
We are the ones that must be broken to be presented before God. We end up in Malachi where we're presenting blemish sacrifices. We're giving God what's left over. We're keeping the best for ourselves and giving God what's left. We're, we're, we're defiling the table, the Lord's table of communion. We're defiling our, 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 our actual interactions. We don't know how to commune with one another. We defile the Lord's tables when we refuse to be that sacrifice. And being that sacrifice means going beyond our will and doing what God wills. See, because there are warnings that Malachi gives in Malachi 2 and in Malachi 1 that are for the priests, but they are also for the people. And we have to be careful as priests and people, we have to be careful that we're not introducing something into our congregations that is breaking the cycle that Peter has set forth here and now tainting the sacrifice. See, there's a lot of reasons why God doesn't want to visit uh, our churches, our sanctuaries today. There are a lot of reasons, but the number one reason is I don't, I don't, I don't see no sacrifice. I don't, what's mine? What, what am I coming there for? What is there for me? See, because I'm not going to take your leftovers. I'm not taking what you have left to give. I'm not taking the tainted sacrifice. I'm not taking the, the here and now sacrifice when yesterday it was something completely different and that was more worldly. And then you come into the church and now all of a sudden you have something godly where you ain't talked to me all week. How did you come by this godly thing when you haven't talked to me all week? We've been out of relationship. We've been out of communion. So how is it that you can come in my house today and that you can think that you're going to present yourself this living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, and you haven't talked to me all week. We're out of covenant. We're out of relationship. Or or how about this? We're out of cycle. You know, that, this is what creates that broken cycle when we come together. Everyone isn't, isn't, isn't understanding what God requires of them, not the shepherd and not the sheep. In our churches today, yeah, in our churches today, there are those shepherds that don't watch over the saints. The saints, the shepherds, the sheep come in and they do what they feel like doing. You know, uh, there are those from the pulpit that rob and steal from the people of God. Someone got arrested today, I'm told, FBI came to pick them up because you want to say one thing, but you're in the pulpit, you're clearly doing something else. There are those in the pulpit, sheep that shepherds that don't want to serve. They don't want to serve the sheep. They want to be served by the sheep. There are those who rather than uh, teach and preach the word of God so that the uh, the sheep can make a, a, a decision based on their understanding of who God is rather than teach them, rather than engage them in the word of God. No, I'll manipulate you into the word of God. I'll manipulate you into doing what I want you to do. I'll manip I'm not going to give you a choice. I'm going to manipulate you into doing what I feel like you should do because it's about me. There are those. There are those that don't want to be the example to the sheep. There are the, the, the married shepherds uh, that have uh, spouses, and that's what married means, and they have girlfriends, or they have boyfriends, or they have both. 
There are those. But then we have on the opposite end, they introduce that broken cycle from the pulpit on down. And then when it gets down to the sheep, they're not humble. They're arrogant. They don't, they're not kind to their sisters and brothers. They're not, they don't have any concern for their fellow sheep. They don't, they have, they're full of anxiety. Everything's about them. They, they, they must be comfortable or the world is turned upside down. They're not focused on anything that is godly, only on what can best benefit them. And they have no desire to suffer. Everything's about them and their business and, and about what they're doing. And, and nothing is about, you hear never hear anything about a hard time or a suffering or a conflict. Nope. Everything is great in my world always and forever. So when you introduce the, the broken cycle, into our churches because we in our sanctuaries because we do not we do not want to submit to the suffering that is a part of Christianity that is a part of our way because we don't want to do that you indeed are also are also presenting a blemished sacrifice you're presenting a blemish sacrifice. The people are giving it to the leadership the leadership is presenting it to God broken blemished God doesn't even want that. So the goal to the goal of the goal of us this conversation today, and it's kind of one-sided because it's just me talking, but the goal today is to help us to understand what Peter is saying here regarding what he is recommending according to what he believed God would have out of his shepherds and out of his shepherds that he's placed in the church and out of his sheep. And without all these things working at all times, then we have created a broken cycle. And because we've broken the cycle, we are now in Malachi uh, 1 and 2 and so on. We could go all the way through Malachi where we're now presenting blemished sacrifices to God. So what I want you to understand here is how important it is how important it is, how important consistency is in our behaviors, how important it is, how it affects the, the men and women of God, the people of God, the church of God, how it affects when we do not, when we decide that something, some of these things we're just no longer going to do anymore. Some of these things we don't feel like doing anymore. See, when we operate by our feelings, when we go by how we feel, what we want to do and what we don't want to do, what we what we feel is necessary and what we feel is unnecessary because we don't read our Bibles. So then we subject everything to our own personal opinion, which is strictly based on whatever information we took in that day, what we watched on TV, what we heard on the radio. It's not weighed by the word of God though. And you have to understand if what you're doing and what you're saying and how you feel is not based on the word of God. It's based on something. And that means that it is based on everything else that you took in that day. What happened to you at work? What happened to you at home? What you watched on TV? What you heard on the radio? The music that you listened to? Whatever other books you may have read that weren't the Bible? It's either God or it's the world. And if you fall, shepherd or sheep, into either one of these categories that Peter mentions in 1 Peter 5, where you're not doing the things that Peter recommends, then now is the time for you to revisit 
consciously revisit those behaviors, revisit those ideas and make sure that you are aligning to this word of God. Make sure that you are aligning to what Peter here is recommending. Remember, he didn't say it was a commandment. And so I'm not saying that it's a commandment, but it's funny how they all line up with God's character, with uh, Jesus's character as he walked here on earth. It all lines up that he watched over us, that he didn't steal or take from anyone, that he served, that he, while he corrected that which was not godly, he also taught. He's that example for us. He was humble. He trusted God, even in the cross, even when he wasn't sure that he wanted to get up on that cross, even when he felt that God had left him, he still trusted God. He was always focused on his mission. And even through any suffering that we saw him go through in the cross or not wanting people not wanting to hear him, he still stayed with God. All of these things are aligned with the character of Jesus Christ as he walked on this earth. So Peter, while he's suggesting them, they are Jesus's character. So are we going to say that we are Christians, but ignore the very character of Jesus Christ? Ignore the, the what he is asking of us, what he requires of us in our interactions, shepherd to sheep, sheep to shepherd, sheep to sheep. Are we going to ignore what God requires of us and still cause, uh, call ourselves Christians? Hopefully not after today. Hopefully there's a reality check happening in your mind right now, shepherds, where you're checking the boxes and you're making sure, wait a minute, am I watching over everyone who's under my care, whether I want to or not? If they say they're under my care, if they say they're apart, am I, am I praying for them? Am I watching over their soul? Am I making sure that I'm not after just money? I'm not, I'm not stealing from the people. I'm not robbing the people. I'm, I'm, I'm only expecting what is reasonable that they can actually provide and actually do. Do I serve the men and women of God? Shepherds, do we serve the men and women of God? Do we, are we, do we lord, do we lord our position over them? I hope we're checking that box and making sure we're not lording our positions over them. We're not being a bully from the pulpit, manipulating people and trying to make people do what we want to do. But instead, we're being that example, that example that all can follow from afar, even if that's the case, but they can follow if they say they're following our ministries. Sheep, are we humble? Do we, are we trusting God in every situation, in every circumstance? Are we sober? Are we focused on the things of God? Even through suffering, no matter what we're dealing with, are we standing in the faith? That is the question for us today. These are the things that are are part of Jesus' character and 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 what you call him and uh, Peter, sorry about that, and Peter is simply pointing out to us what he's separating literally Jesus' personality and saying, you know, he was a shepherd and he was a sheep. He was what he had to be in the moment to just point out that character, to give us that example. So as we as we go back and we read through uh, 
as we read through first Peter and five, as we look at um, as we look at second uh, first Peter and two, as we go back even lastly and look in Malachi, read Malachi, make sure that we are aligning with the character of Jesus Christ, because if it's not the character of Jesus Christ, it's the character of the world. There's no middle ground. It's either Jesus or it's the world. You know, I'm always going to bring you back to a decision. And I didn't tell you that that decision was going to be easy. It's a decision that you have to make. As I said in the scriptures, you have to choose to stand. You have to choose to stand in the faith that no matter what is happening around me, I'm going to choose what Jesus character dictates that I choose. I'm going to take on the very character of Jesus. And no matter what it is I feel, no matter what it is I think I want, I'm going to choose what Jesus exemplified when he walked in this earth. Let me pray for you before we go. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today. I thank you for life. I thank you for health. And I thank you for strength. I thank you, God, for understanding, not understanding only who you are, but understanding who we are in you, God. And we submit that to you that is unlike you. And we ask you to forgive us, God. Burn it up, God. We ask you to forgive us. And we take on your very character. We take on your very knowledgeable example that understanding of your example that you have given us this day. We thank you, oh God, for everything that you're going to do in us and through us. We happily lay ourselves down. We happily present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. We align with the very character of Christ. When we, when we miss the mark, God, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of grace that will teach us and realign us with your character. We thank you, God, for every good thing that you have done for us. And we thank you, God, for the things, God, the suffering way, the things that we have hurt us, the things that we've been through, that even though they hurt us, they teach us and they strengthen our legs. They strengthen our feet to stand firm in the faith. We give you all glory and we give you all honor. In Jesus name, I pray. And if you, ma'am, sir, would like to donate to this podcast, the information is on the screen. And remember, until we speak again, don't let go. Don't let go the character of Christ. Don't let go what Christ has personally engrafted, written on your heart as his people. Don't let it go. No matter what comes, no matter what comes, don't let go. Take care now, and I'll see you on next week. So much more on the inside of you.